Uh, for those of you that know me, I am not Pastor Eric, all right? I am not over the youth. Uh, I'm better looking because, uh, uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, but my name is Steve. I'm over, I'm the discipleship pastor here. Uh, so I am, I'm passionate about discipleship. Some of you guys already know, if you haven't been to talk to me, everything is about discipleship. You can ask my wife when we're watching a movie. I'm like, that's discipleship. It doesn't matter what it is. I just have a passion about helping disciples, training disciples, equipping disciples to make disciples for the glory of God. Why? Because that's our purpose as followers of Christ. Uh, but also I want us to take some time and be praying uh, actually for Pastor Eric. Uh, he is our high school pastor and Pastor Brian, he's our middle school pastor. Uh, there's about 20 or 26 individuals that are in the Dominican Republic right now for a mission trip this week. Uh, we have about, I think, 18 teenagers and uh, we got some adults that are going who are going to do some VBS or going to do some outreach uh, in, the, in the country of the Dominican Republic. So I encourage you to please pray. Uh, Pastor Eric's actually going to be preaching this morning a, at a church this morning. Uh, so be praying for them. Be praying for our students that they come back excited and understand that the mission trip isn't over. That their mission trip has just begun coming back home, reaching their friends, reaching their, their teammates, even helping here and serving here in the church. So we'll be praying for Pastor Eric and Pastor Brian and the team in the Dominican Republic. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 35 to 43. And we're currently in a series about the miracles of Jesus. And we're seeing people encountering Jesus and miracles. We, we started about three weeks ago when we did that Jesus calms the storm, right? Well-known story. We also saw that Jesus walked on water. We saw Jesus healed uh, the possessed man. And this morning, we're going to talk about one of my favorite passages is Jesus encountering the blind beggar. But the purpose of these miracles, and we're learning about their talk and hearing about it, the purpose of these miracles is to bring, as Jesus is, is doing all these miracles, healing people, he's doing it to bring God glory to the ministry of Jesus Christ. But also, it's to prove who Jesus said he was, that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the one to come to die on the cross for our sins and bring us back to God. And so the purpose of Jesus' miracles is that to bring God glory, and as well to prove and give evidence of who Jesus said he was. And here in Luke chapter 18, verse he inquired what was Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those that were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight and your faith has saved you. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. What an awesome story, huh? But I want us to focus, as I was reading this and studying this, one verse came to mind, obviously the whole passage, but there's one verse that really stuck out to me, and it's verse 40, 42. And it said, and Jesus said to him, recover your sight, and your faith has made you well. Another translation says, your faith has saved you. 
But I began to study this word faith. What does this word faith mean here? You see, the word faith here in this passage means faith is reliance upon Jesus for salvation. The word faith here is having dependency on someone to save you. So when you're going, whether it be good days or bad days, but even the, the every days of your life, who are you depending on to get you through it? You see, some of us put in our success and family and individuals, but we see in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 15, the prophet Jeremiah says, curse is the one who puts their trust in man and their own flesh. Why? Because their hearts have turned away from the Lord. You see, this blind beggar understood where, his, where he places his faith and understood who would get him, even heal him through what he was going through. And I can imagine this beggar waking up normally, right, just waking up. And uh, we're going to talk about it later, but in the society there in this time, beggars were the lowest of low. Like you would not hang out with beggars. Nobody would even help them. The only future they had was to beg. And all of a sudden he hears this crowd and asks, hey, what's going on? And someone says, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Now, Jesus, at the end of his ministry here, he is headed to Jerusalem for the Passover and then uh, for, for his death and resurrection that's about to happen. But we see here that Jesus takes the time to meet with this beggar. But the question I have as I was reading this is, I even myself, is do I trust in Jesus no matter what happens in my life? So how do we have that faith that simply, how do we have this faith that is solely sold on trusting in Jesus no matter what happens in our life? And so we're going to look at three truths that I pray would help us to see how we can have a faith just like this blind beggar that trusted in Jesus no matter what. And the first thing we got to understand is this. For us to have a faith that relies only on Jesus, the first thing we got to do is trust in Jesus as our Savior. You see, this blind beggar, as Jesus was walking by, what does he yell? He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So a couple of things I thought about is this, that this man knew who Jesus was, but he was blind. Right? We think of a, a faith as believing something you cannot see. It is a perfect example of this blind beggar who heard, yeah, Jesus is coming. And what he does, he runs, he goes to Jesus and yells, son of David, have mercy on me. So he had heard about Jesus. This is three years of his ministry that Jesus has been healing. He's, uh, he's been famous, he's getting well known. And so he knew who Jesus was. And so us, for us to put, depend on Jesus, we've got to make sure that we trust in Jesus as our savior and understanding who he really is. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we know who Jesus really is? And that's why we study God's word. That's why we come here on Sunday mornings to sing and, and to praise God, but as well to hear his word. That's why we have adult Bible fellowships, so that you can go even deeper in God's word. That's why we have men's and women's studies, so that you can go deeper in God's word, so you can know who God is and gain knowledge of who he is, so that it will change your life. You see, this blind beggar, man, was completely, he understood who Jesus was. He knew what he did and cries out to him, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's interesting that he uses that phrase. You know, the son of David was a prophesied, it was prophesied to be the descendant of David, the Messiah, 
the coming king, was prophesied to be a descendant of David who ruled over Israel. And so the goal was, the, the prophesied was that, that Jesus, that the Messiah would take over the throne of David that we see in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The, the scripture prophesied that the son of David will fulfill all of God's plans for his people. And through the beg, though the beggar could not see, he has not met the Lord before, this man knew that the Lord's true identity. So this man understood. He, didn't, he never met him before. It was the first time he had interaction with him, but he understood the true identity of who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. And verses before that, we see Jesus talking to his disciples that he is the son of man that, we, that speaks on Daniel chapter 7. That Jesus says to his disciples, I am the son of man. But even the disciples who saw Jesus did not understand. The rich young ruler here in this chapter, the rich young ruler who saw Jesus, spoke to Jesus, asked Jesus, how can I gain eternal life? Jesus shares it to him. And what does the rich young ruler does? Turn away and walks away. And the disciples and the rich young ruler actually saw Jesus with their eyes and still had a hard time believing in who Jesus' true identity was. But here is this blind beggar who hears that Jesus is coming and he trusted in Jesus and he knew what his real identity was. And the way we understand who Jesus' true identity is is by studying his word. We see this in Hebrews chapter 14, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that verse. It says, the word of God is living and effective. That the more and more we read God's word, the more and more we're going to know who God is and be changed by the teaching of his word, but also we want to share it to others. You see, church family, this is not just words like a book, but these are words breathed out for God so we can know who God is. And the more and more we read God's word, the more and more we'll, we'll know who he is and fall in love with him, but also have the confidence to share to others who he is. I remember a couple years ago, uh, my oldest son, uh, he was nine, he was in preschool at this time, and we were walking, and at the moment, at, the, at that time, we were living in Texas. And if you've ever been to Texas, there's bugs, like crazy bugs, like all kinds of bugs. Like you'll, if you go to Texas, you'll see people like this on Google trying to figure out, is that poison or not? Because I don't know what kind of bug that is. So we are going, uh, we are going to school, and obviously I was late, right? So I'm, you know, I'm pulling my son, we got to go, I go, and, all, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm thinking he's behind me, and, you know, people are going with their kids as well. And I turn, and I see, like, okay, where is he? I lost him. I'm sorry. I'm a good parent, though, I promise. But I was like, where, like where, where, where is he? And I look, and he's on the grass, off and all fours, just looking at the grass. And I'll be honest, a little embarrassed. Like, oh, man. Like, everybody's looking at him. I was like, what is he doing? And so I go over there, and I was like, yo, Levi, what, what are you doing? And he's looking. He's like, Dad, there's a bug. And he's just, like, looking. I was like, all right, man, come on. We got to go to class. No, 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 Dad. Hold on, hold on. There's a bug. And, like, people are, like, walking over him. Like, he's just, like, he does not care, be, like, what people thought of him because there was a bug. And he's just studying. And I'm just like, oh, man, like, come on. Like, my wife's going to kill me. He's late. You know what I mean? Like, I was just, I was worried. I was like, come on. I was trying to pull him away. This girl's going to finally. He went into class and, you know, everything was good. And then uh, about three months later, I put him to bed and we prayed and all that. And as I was walking away. He said, hey, Dad, do you remember that bug? I was like, what bug? I said, the bug when we were going to school and, and I saw, I was like, oh, yeah. And he begins to explain to me, like if he saw it a second ago, 
He begins to explain, oh, yeah, this is the, how many legs he had. This is how many, you know, the color of his skin. This is what all, he begins to explain like he just saw it a minute ago. But that's the way we should be when we read God's word. That we should be so focused on God's word that nothing else matters. And yes, I understand. Life is busy. Believe me. Like I get paid to read God's word and sometimes it's, I, I, it, life is busy. But the thing is this. Do we make time to spend with Jesus? Do we make time to spend with God's word? But when we read it, are you focusing it? Or are you just trying to check, like, okay, I did it. That's what conversation had every Monday night. There's about five of us guys, our discipleship group, we meet every Monday night. And that's the kind of conversation we had one day. That I, I, I told them, I, I confess to them. So I feel like when I read God's word, I read it so that I can just mark the check that I did it. But I'm not letting it change my life. And so the question is this, when you read God's word, are you so focused in God's word that nothing else matters, but that you are remembering it and that you're doing it, God's word and living it out daily? You see, when we read God's word, we got to understand that God's word is alive and effective, that it's changing our lives, that it will move us to where God wants us to be. Right? The question is always, when I was a youth minister, is, what does God want to do with my life? And I remember a professor telling me this, the more and more you read God's word, the more and more you'll know what God wants to do with your life. But also, you'll have faith, more and more faith, and trust him even more. And we see this, the blind beggar. He knew the true identity of who Jesus was, and man, he heard that Jesus was there, and what did he do? He ran to Jesus and cried out to Jesus because he truly trusted who Jesus was. So we see that we must trust in order for us to have a faith that depends only on Jesus. We must trust in Jesus as our Savior by studying the word of God. And as we study God's word, our hope will be in Jesus. Our trust will be only in Jesus. Psalms 33, 20 to 22 says this. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faith, may your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put your hope in you. Where do you have your hope? You see, this blind beggar was hopeless. No one cared about him. Nobody was helping him. His future was just to beg for the rest of his life. But when he heard that Jesus was coming, he knew that he was this Messiah that the people were waiting for. And he ran and shouted, son of David, have mercy on me. Even when the crowd was trying to pull him away, he even went louder. Why? Because he knew Jesus. He trusted in Jesus as a savior. And that's the same attitude we should have. That no matter what happens in our lives, whether it be good or bad, that our faith is dependent only on Jesus to get us through day to day. Because why? Because we trust in who Jesus is as our savior. As we read his word, as we dig deep in God's word, memorize God's word, It's going to move us into a a state of hope in Christ alone. That only he can get us through everything. This blind beggar clearly heard about Jesus and came because he trusted Jesus that he was who he said he was. But second as well, the way we put our faith and have faith that's reliance only on Jesus is by surrendering our problems to Jesus. Surrender our problems to Jesus. To Jesus. Now let's be honest. My dad always told me this that when you went up to somebody, they lied to you. I was like, what are you talking about, Dad? So yeah, when you go up to somebody and say, Hey, how you doing? On Sunday morning, good morning, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. The reality is they're probably not doing good. 
Because when we come on Sundays here, we love to put our Sunday best and yeah, everything's good. But in reality, man, we might, some of us here this morning are falling apart in our lives. There's probably stress at work, maybe family issues, maybe just whatever's happening. And it's just kind of holding us back from fully understanding what God wants to do in our lives. But what I see here with this blind beggar, that he heard Jesus was here, he trusted who he was as Savior, and he went to him and he gave his problems to Jesus. Now, isn't it interesting that we can give Jesus our eternal life. I say, yeah, we, we trust in you as our Savior. We trust that you died on the cross for our sins and you rose again on the third day and you're coming back again. But for some reason, our day-to-day stuff, we can't give to Jesus. Or maybe that's just me. But I can give, I trust Jesus with my eternal security where I'm going to be when I die. But for some reason, when Tuesday comes along, I'm trying to fix the problem on my own. And I forget to run to Jesus. So when you have problems in your life, who are you running to? Who are you asking for help? Are you dependent on yourself to fix the problem? Are you running to Jesus? You see, this blind beggar surrendered his problems to Jesus. And we see here that that we must surrender. And I love about the blind beggars is that he was humble. When he went to Jesus, Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? Think about that. And that's the question that Jesus asks us every day. What do you want for me to do for you? But what I love about this blind beggar, that he was humble. He didn't say, oh, I deserve this. I deserve, look what I've done. I deserve this. No. He came humbly and said, I just want to receive my sight. A Christian counselor said this, the definition of being humble is, to, uh, is a simple living with an accurate understanding of ourselves. Humility. To be humble is to live simple with an accurate understanding of ourselves. So when we're humble, we understand, I mean, I can't get through this alone. I cannot get through whatever struggle I'm going through. I cannot get through this alone. And that's what prayer comes in, right? You see, prayer is an acknowledgement that God is in control and you're not. When we pray to God, we basically say, God, I need you. I need you. But the one thing we just read in Psalms is that we got to be patient with the result that he gives us. You see, when we begin to study God's word and understand who Jesus is, our hearts will line up to what he wants us to do. Not what we think is best for us, but what he thinks is best for us. Because why? He knows us more. And so the more we read God's word, the more we pray, our hearts will line up to him. And that as we see in Psalm 42, I think it says that his desires become our desires. Why? Because we're in God's word. That he'll give us the desire of our hearts. That the more and more we spend in God's word, the more we pray to him, our hearts will line up to him and we want to want what he wants. Because let's be honest, when we pray, sometimes we, there's people who get upset when they pray to God because God did not answer the way they wanted to. You see, when we pray to God, when we come before God, when we surrender our problems to God, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. Because here's the thing, and this is the beauty about it all, that Jesus cares about us. Can I say that again? That Jesus cares about us. We see them in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your cares on who? On him. Because he cares about you. I know sometimes it's hard to ask for help. I know sometimes we want to fix it. We, we want to do it on our own. But here this blind man humbled himself, understood who Jesus was, and surrendered his promise to him. But what I love about Jesus here is that he was walking and he stopped and he asked for the blind beggar to be brought to 
him. You see, if you feel helpless today, if you feel alone today, I hope as you read this passage, you understand that Jesus loves you for who you are. Jesus loves us for who we are. He's not looking for some, uh, you know, super version, perfect version of us. He loves us as messed up as we are right now. And he welcomes us to have a relationship with him by trusting in him alone, that he alone died for us on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, rose again. And that the only way that we can have a relationship with the Father is by trusting in Jesus. And this blind man understood. But I love the care that Jesus has. That man, this blind man man, was, to the society that he was in, was worthless. No one cared about him. He was pushed aside. But Jesus says, here, bring him to me. And talk to him. And he heard what his problem was. You see, when we, we gotta understand that Jesus cares about us, but also we, as we understand that, the result is this, that we should care about others as well. I love when Jesus, and we see this in Philippians chapter two, verse four, the apostle Paul, who was in prison because of sharing his faith and his desires to share the, the emperor of Rome, he's in prison here. But as, he's, as Paul is locked up, he says this in Philippians chapter two, verse four, it says, everyone should look not at their own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Like here's this man locked up and he said, hey, don't, don't just worry about your problem, but also help others who are in need as well. But also Jesus tells his disciples, the way that the world will know that you follow me is by coming to church every day. No. Jesus says, the way the world that knows that you follow me is by memorizing the whole Bible. Jesus said to the disciples, the way you, you, the world will know that you love me and my disciples is how you love one another. Isn't that interesting? Like to me, it's just interesting to see that, that Jesus didn't say, hey, how much theology you know, if you know who the Antichrist is, all this stuff, like, yeah, this will how they'll know that, that you are my followers. No, he says, by the way you love one another, the world will know who you belong to. And church family, that is the goal. That as we gather here this morning, that the outside world will see something different. You see, my prayer is that when people drive by Maranatha, when they, they meet people from our church, they say, man, that's a church that loves and cares for people. But not only do we help them with their physical needs, but most importantly, with their spiritual need. And so my question for you is, how are you loving others? How are you loving the other brothers and sisters in Christ? But as well, Jesus said to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies. How are we doing with that? Because the way the world will know that we're Jesus' disciples is how we love other brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are made different than us. You see, loving people who look like us, think like us, act like us, has nothing to do with the power of the Holy Spirit, but loving your enemies do. Because that's when you know it. Listen. You don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to buy a gift for my enemy this morning. Like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see my enemy. Like, it's going to be great. I can't wait to shake his hand, say good morning. You know, right? That's the last thing we want to do. But it is easy to go to those who talk like you, think like you. Oh, it's great. But it does have, when, when we love our enemies, man, that's when the Lord is working. And that's what the world sees. You see, that's what I love about Jesus, that he cares about us, that he cares for his children, but the overflow of that experience is that we care for others' needs. James chapter 1, verse 27, what does James say? Man, care for the widows, for the orphans, and also single mothers, right? We, we, we just celebrate what happened this weekend, but the question I have is what are we going to do next? 
We got to help those. If we are for life, it should be life till they were born till they die as well. And I'm thankful that we, here as a church, we support ministries that help, uh, you know, the pregnancy center that we support here. That we should even give time and see how we can help them and, and, and support them in any ways. But that's the way we show our love to Christ, is by loving us. Because why? Because he loved us first. That's why we love him. And that's why we love others. And I love this picture of Jesus. He says to someone who is not popular, who, who people push aside and say, Bring him to me. Why? Because he cares. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, man, no one cares about me. No, listen, we as a church care about you. But most importantly, the Savior cares about you and loves you. That he gave his only life for you. And on the third day, he rose again so you can have true hope found only him and be brought to God. So we see here, the way we have faith that depends on God no matter what, it's by trusting in Jesus as the Savior Surrendering our problems to Jesus. And lastly is this, glorify Jesus. To glorify Jesus. So we see here, verse 43, it says, And immediately he recovered his sight, and it says there he what? Followed him. Glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Not only do we have faith in Jesus by trusting him as our Savior, and as we get to know him and his word and grow, we also give him our problems to him, surrender, be humble, and also understand he cares for us. And we show that love and care for others as well. But we glorify for what he's done in our lives. You see, we glorify Jesus for the salvation that's found only in him. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. It is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not from works that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So it's nothing, we cannot save ourselves. It doesn't matter how good looking you are, how good you look this morning, how nice that shirt is ironed. Listen, nothing can save us, only Jesus. It's only what Jesus did on the cross that understanding this, that our sin has separated us to have a relation with all glory, the glory of God, to be in the presence of him, to have a relation with almighty, all-powerful God. But God loved us so much that while we were still enemies, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And all we got to do is just like this blind beggar, place our faith in who Jesus says he is and surrender to him, but also glorify him, what he's done in our lives. You see, we glorify Jesus for the salvation that he's given us and as well by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and helping others grow in him. Now, I know life gets hard. Maybe there's some situation in life, maybe losing a loved one, maybe uh, financial issues, whatever the case may be. But nowhere in scripture do I see when those hard times come that we need to stop telling people about Jesus and helping them grow. I remember my, my brother and my, my sister-in-law, uh, they were missionaries in the country of Honduras for about 15 years. Uh, and we were all excited a couple of years, I was like, I think nine, nine, 2000, 2001, because my sister was pregnant for the first time. It was my first, the first you know, grandchild for my parents, the first niece in our family. My sister and I were excited to be aunts and uncles, so we're all excited about this. And you know, everything was going good. And one night we get a phone call in the middle of the night, it's my brother sharing to us, uh, that my sister-in-law that lost the baby. It was a stillborn. And it was a hard time 
a hard time. I remember us, my dad waking us up. It was like three in the morning and we just prayed and we cried, obviously. Uh, we prayed for my sister-in-law. Uh, but my brother shares with us kind of like what was going on after all that, that she was in the hospital for a couple of days. But my sister-in-law kept on saying, God is in control. God is in, with tears in her eyes, losing her first daughter just minutes, seconds ago, crying and saying, God is in control. God is in control. And this nurse got tired and she said, how can you say that? And just yelled at her. How can you say that God is in control when you just lost your daughter? And my sister-in-law turned to her. And shared Jesus to her. She goes, this is why. That though it hurts me, though I'm in pain, I know the one that can fix this problem is Jesus. You see, someone told me a couple of years ago that when we're going through trials in our life, a season, tough season, we should not put our eyes on the problem but on the one that can fix the problem, which is Jesus. You see, our lives can either bring someone to Jesus or away from Jesus. Now, I'm not saying if you're going through a hard time that, it's, that you're going to be all happy. No, it's not. It's going to be hard. But who do you surround yourself with that's helping you remember who Jesus is? Are you in God's word to understand, be reminded of the goodness of God even during hard times? Because see, the way we glorify God is by remembering and praising him for the salvation we got, but as well by sharing the gospel and helping others grow in Jesus. We see this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came near and said to them. This is Jesus. He's ascending to heaven. He just rose again from the grave. And he gives his last command to his disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, teaching them all that you have observed from me. That is our purpose. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is our mission. This is our purpose. To know Jesus and to make him known and help others grow in him. You see, it's not just you get to pick whatever you want. It's the whole package that we got to tell people about Jesus, see him get baptized. But as well, we got to disciple them, help them grow in Jesus and equip them so that they can help make new disciples themselves. And that is the mission that Jesus wants. And that's the way we go. Look at this. I love this here. Verse 43, it says that the blind man was followed Jesus praised him and what happened what was the result and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God our lives can bring someone to Jesus away from Jesus but that's why it's so important that we glorify God in every situation that we're in even when it's hard and when it's hard that's when you get a brother brother and sister in Christ to help you to remind you but as well you run to Jesus and surrender that problem because he is the savior he's the one that cares that the more you read God's word the more it changes you and moves you into obedience. I saw this pastor that kind of sums up this, this scene here, and he says this, salvation comes to those who are humbled enough to recognize their need for Jesus and who are willing to follow him at any cost. I'm going to say it again. Salvation comes to those who are humble enough to recognize their need for Jesus and who are willing to follow him at any cost. Cost. There's some of you here this morning that you need Jesus for the very first time, that you're like this blind beggar and you need to run to him and say, son of David, have mercy on me. Save me because you are the savior. And there's some of us here who have been Christian following Jesus for a while. But my question for you is, are you making disciples for the glory of God? Though all this knowledge that you know of Jesus, are you helping others grow in him as well? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just kind of remember what we're going through. 
Like who are you putting your faith in? Who are you dependent on getting you through the good days and bad days of life? Like this beggar, we need to have a faith that depends only on Jesus. And the way we do it is by trusting Jesus as our savior, surrendering him our problems and glorifying him with our lives, but also bringing others to him. And so if you're here this morning and you need Jesus as your savior, I ask you to come talk to me or, or uh, one of our leaders here or even uh, in our connect card there, you can, place, you can you know, place it in the offering box and let them know that we can contact you. But we don't want you to leave this place without you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and say, I'm helpless, I, I'm fearful, I have all this emotion, I, I need Jesus, please come talk to us. We're here for you. And if you're here a follower of Jesus for many years and have so much knowledge, my question for you is this, are you glorifying God with your life? And as well, are you telling others about him and helping others grow, making disciples for the glory of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this time of being with you. I thank you for the time of hearing your word. And God, help us to remember that our faith only depends on you. God, only you can move us. Only you protects us and knows our future, God. I pray that we will trust you. Not only do we trust you with our eternal life, but as well with every days of our life. That we can be like this blind beggar that, that trusted you as the Savior, gave his problems to you and glorify you for the change that you've done in his life. I pray that we would do the same. That when people see us, they'll see you changing us every day. And God, I pray for those who need to know you as their Savior. May they come today. I pray for those who are hurting. God, I pray they remember who you are in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the season of hurt, and that they surround themselves with other believers that remind them who you are. And God, I pray that for those that have been following, for those of us that have been following you for many years, may we make disciples who make disciples for your glory and not be ashamed and hold anybody back to do that. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.